This is Bo Buchanan with another edition of On the Level, and I'm here interviewing Randy Jager. Randy, can you tell me your full name, name your home Blue Lodge, and any offices or titles you have connected to that lodge? Certainly. So my full name is Randy or Randall Scott Jager. I go by Randy, though. Uh, I'm, my lodge is Oasis 52 in Tucson, and let's see, I've been the all the way up through the line, past master, and then I went to the treasurer's position for about mm, five years. Five years as the treasurer at Oasis? Correct. And you are currently in the Grand Line. Tell me your position there. So I'm the senior Grand Deacon for the Grand Lodge of Arizona, and that was actually the reason why I stepped away from the treasurer's position is because uh, my next travel year was going to have at least six visitations on my stated meeting night for the Blue Lodge, and I said, you know, it's just not fair to the Blue Lodge for me to uh, spend that much time away from an appointed position or an elected position. So, especially I, treasurer, yeah, exactly. So I spent about six <clears> months <throat> training the the master that moved out. I had talked to him; he was a previous accountant, and I said, well, I need somebody over here. So I spent about six months training him, and then uh, now he's kind of on his own for the time being. He knows he can call me if anything comes up. And tonight we are at the Grand Lodge Leadership Conference in Casa Grande. Correct. And uh, I want to back up and start. The first question I usually ask people is, tell me about when you first heard about this thing called Freemasonry. Do you remember how old you were or when it was? Or I specifically remember how old I was. Uh, I've only been a Mason for about 11 years. Uh, so I was I was old when I joined. Uh, I was finishing my master's degree in college, and I was doing a philosophy paper, and I ran across a quote in my research from Morals and Dogma, and I said there is just absolutely no way that any group would be that openly satanic and not actually satanic. Uh, so I spent about two years ordering books reading information about the fraternity and just looking at everything I could get my hands on. Two years? Two years. Wow. And then I, uh, I knew that my neighbor across the street was a mason because he had decals all over his, in the sidewalk, all over his car. And so I went across the street and asked him to, uh, you know, how do I become a mason? And I had to ask him three times. Which would lead you to he believe, made you ask him three uh, times? Which would lead you to believe that he was one of those stoic old masons that said three times. Unfortunately, this brother had had several mini strokes, and his memory was, was suffering from those. So really, the first two times, I didn't ask him on a lodge night. And the third time, I happened to ask him on a Tuesday night, which was his lodge night. And because it was in the front of his mind and memory, he said, oh, let's go over to my lodge. So he brought me to Oasis Lodge, and that's where things started. Oh, that's funny. I was going to say, yeah, he's a stoic uh, stoic guy. No, he just forgot. No, that funny. would be a much better story. Now, what, year was the, what year was it when you first, you said it was back in grad school, when you first found that quote? So that was, would have been in 2005. Okay, 2005. So not, not that long ago. Right. And I was raised in 2007. And were you married at that time? Married to two small kids. Okay, married two small kids in grad school right. for philosophy. 
Now it's the counting degree. Oh, the, oh, the counting. Okay. But, but I, you know, you take classes that you're right. interested in as well. Okay. So. It was a philosophy class, right. which fits in with masonry, like seeking knowledge and, right. and kind of thing. Okay. So one of the things I always like to get at is how long that search time was. So yours was about two years right. of research before you went to the neighbor and said, hey, what's up with this thing? Can you take me? Or can right. you tell me about it? Exactly. So then Lodge Night, he takes you to Tucson. Took me to Oasis Lodge. Oh, I'm sorry, to Oasis Lodge. Right, because that was the closest one actually to where we live. Uh, he's since passed, but it was a fantastic journey because he top line signed me into the Blue Lodge, top line signed me into the Scottish Rite. Immediately? Well, no, as we'll get to that. Okay, but, okay, sorry. Uh, and then top line signed me into the Shrine many years later. And then I was able to top line sign him into the Knights of St. Andrew. Um, and it revitalized his interest in masonry. So he started going. He started attending again. When I was in the East, he was my marshal. Who was it, do you want to say or no? Certainly. His name was Manny Daniels. Manny Daniels. Is he not with us anymore? No, he passed. When did he pass? Uh, it's probably been about five years now. Five years. And uh, he uh, he passed from another stroke. And uh, uh, we did his services in full kilts from the Knights of St. Andrew. Oh, I love it. And, Bagpipes. Uh, we didn't have a piper at the oh. time, but uh, it was quite something. That's one of the best things, the stories that you, you kept telling me before we interviewed, you have boring stories. But what I really like to hear is about those connections, you know, those connections that men make to men, because there are so few times in society today where it's, we're just going to get to know each other as men. It's not necessarily we're drinking in a bar, we're fighting, it's just guys getting to know guys. Right, you right. Know? And learning with each other. We never make more, in my opinion, we never make stronger connections than when we learn together. And uh, we definitely learn together. So he was he just happened to be your neighbor and you just happened to see a decal. I think that's kind of funny. Right. Saw a yep. decal on his car and like, you're the guy I'm asking. That's right. That was how <laughs> simple it was because I had no Masonic background in my family. None. And I had no contact uh, with the fraternity, even though I had been looking into it and reading. It was just on my own uh, for the two years. And, uh, you know, I never sought out other contacts while I was doing my research, and I never went down to the Scottish Rite building in Tucson while I was doing my research. That was afterwards. But because it was morals and dogma that brought me to the fraternity, I knew I was going into the Scottish Rite. So you, you found this quote that you, thought, you said was satanic, but apparently that didn't scare you. What did you learn in that two years? What was it that made you think, you know what, I think this is something I want to check out? Well, first and foremost, I learned that the fraternity was a place where I could be part of something larger than myself. I had that in my church, but I didn't have it in any other context. So when I, when I saw that this had the teachings that kind of lit the fire in my mind, and I could be part of something larger and give something back to the, to the community, I said, this is it. So I was hooked, uh, and uh, 
Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I, that's probably the best best way to describe it. I was hooked on it once I finally saw that it was. So, so you got hooked. What keeps you? You're hooked. You've been hooked. What keeps you coming back year after year? You're coming on. Uh, what year did you say you were raised? Uh, 2007. So 2007. 11th. 11th year. What keeps you interested and keeps you coming? And you're, you know, being in the Grand Line is a lot of work. What keeps you motivated and keeps you interested? Hmm. Uh, that's, it's hard to put my finger on one thing. Uh, when I when after right after I joined the Blue Lodge, right away I could see they didn't have the leaders, and uh, you know I was I said, well, hey, if you guys need me to help in any way, let me know. So I was immediately in the in the junior deacon's chair. Um, Asking you shall receive. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a firm. I, I believe strongly that. You should never ask a man to do something that you wouldn't be yourself. So I never really sought out leadership roles. It's just that I'm not afraid to do the work. Right. And when you're in that position, and you just say, look, it's a cause. It's a great cause. And, and look at all the things we do for the community and the world. So how can you not want to be doing everything you possibly can for that kind of an organization? Unfortunately, that puts you in the in the spotlight for people when they say, well, "That guy seems to be willing to do just about anything we ask him to do." Him to do <laughs> so I never sought out to be a leader, and I still don't see myself as a leader. But I'm not afraid to dig in and and do it and find out what we need to do and surround myself by the people that I do consider leaders and and intelligent resources. I think we have to be able to do that. So. It's just that connection, and then it's it, it's all the way from that, all the way down to the connection from one man to another man. That's what it's all about, is that man-to-man -man contact that we have to foster every single time we meet. There's really a short, I think there's a, just a shortage of opportunities to people, for people to be real with each other. You know, we're all so busy, there's all this technology that gets between people, and uh, sometimes, you know, like in my case, all my, my grandfathers and older men in my family had died, so I didn't even have an opportunity to interact with, with men like that. So sometimes places like Freemasonry are the only place you can do that. Right. You know? What, are there any other uh, men that you've met that really stand out to you, that men who really stand, stand for what you think of as Freemasonry? Definitely, but uh, the ones that, there's three that come to mind, two have already passed. If I talk about them, I'll get choked up again. Uh, so I'll just talk about their names. One is Jim Sebastian. One is Mike Ashley. And the third is Bob Hannon. The three pillars of masonry for me, no question about it. There's many, many great men in the fraternity. But these were the three. I did not know Jim. I barely knew Mike. And I'm dying to interview Bob Hanna. <laughs> oh, you definitely have to get that. I just haven't had the chance to do it. He's, a, he's, he's down in Tucson, right? And, right. Uh, and right. Uh, I just haven't had our schedules. haven't come up. I called him once or twice, but it's been a while now since I've talked yeah. to him. And that's the reason why they were so meaningful to me is because they were in Tucson. And they right. were, you know, these, were, these, were, these, these guys were the fraternity. You know, and Jim Sebastian was just amazing to talk to. Now, where, uh, was John, of, where was Jim from? Well, I knew all three of these men through the Scottish Rite. Oh, through Scottish Rite, okay. Right, yeah. 
And like I said, you know, as soon as I was in the fraternity, I said I knew I was going to go to the Scottish Rite. So I, I pushed my coach. I didn't work well with my coach. I'm not going to lie. I didn't work well <laughs> with my coach. The poor guy, and he's an amazing mason as well, Paul Weathers. Paul Weathers from Tucson. If you don't know him, that's an interview you should do as well. Um, he was my coach, and God bless him. I mean, I did not work well with him at all because I was, I'd was i learn it on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His learning so styles sometimes don't match. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'd call him and say, Paul, I'm ready for my, my proficiency. And he's like, well, you got to give me a week to, to review the questions again. <laughs> And I said, well, okay, but any candidate knows you learn both sides. You don't just study your side of it. So most of the time, I would do the questions and the answers because we all learn it that yeah, way. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to do the questions. Okay. Well, when we got to the Master Mason proficiency, I said, look, I got to get, I got to get this in the books because the spring reunion for the Tucson Scottish Rite. Oh coming up. You wanted to be ready so to do that. This was on March 27, 2007, that I was raised, and I got it done, you know, in less than a month, which there's a lot of brothers that have done it much quicker than that. Wow. But Paul wasn't ready for it, and I, and I didn't give him any warning. I said, so it was, it was one month later, and I said, I'm ready to do the proficiency. He said, Randy, you're killing <laughs> So I said, you know, Paul, I, I study both sides like everybody does. So I just did both sides of the Master Mason proficiency. One smart Alec brother, worshipful brother Tim Yeiser said, you missed a word. <laughs> oh, One enough. word. Fair enough, Tim, thanks. We'll mark you <laughs> off, but you still passed. <laughs> yeah, and that was because I, I knew the spring reunion from the Tucson Scottish Rite was coming up, and I wanted to be in that. You've been in the Scottish Rite since almost the beginning, since really, yep. since you were raised. Yep. So you participated in a lot of reunions. I have. Um, what, what, what would you say your favorite memory is or, or something that really stands out to you from your experiences in Scottish Rite? I'll skip the first one. <laughs> not Second. family friendly? No, it's not bad. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's just what sticks in a, a human's head. So I was sitting in my chair, and it was probably halfway through the second day and it was a very quiet part of the ceremony. It was very cool. It was very dark for this part of the ceremony. And uh, so it was, all my attention was on this one man that was in front of me, this one brother in front of me doing his part. And uh, I was focusing so much because it was such a comfortable time that I didn't want to let my mind wander at all so that I would start to feel sleepy because, you know, you're a day and a half into this thing. And so I was very intently listening to him and he turned around and the back of his costume was wide open and he was in tidy whities <laughs> So I immediately diverted my eyes so that I wouldn't know who this brother was and I'd never have to have this discussion with him. That's the first thing that always comes to my so mind. To this day, you don't know who their brother was? No, and I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> All right, what's uh, the second one? The second one, uh, I was chosen by Mike Ashley to uh, start the Tucson Knights of St. Andrews. Oh. So he actually went with me, and we went to Guthrie, Oklahoma, and I was knighted into the, into the Knights of St. Andrews so that I could bring him back to Tucson. And the, that whole experience uh, is definitely a highlight 
I just got it right. So is that, uh, so we have, so we have two chapters of Knights of St. Andrew in Arizona, one in Phoenix and one in Correct. Tucson? Okay. Yeah. Which and one was first? And technically, well, technically Phoenix was first. Uh, they had formed and then all of the Knights, my understanding is all of the Knights went on to be uh, Red Hats, KCCH, and so they kind of lost traction. Faltered. Okay. Yeah, because it's a black hat, black hat organization. Oh, I see. You can't join as a KCCH. You can't join as a 33rd. So once uh, you're one of those, you have to leave it? Well, when we wrote the, the uh, bylaws and constitution for Tucson, you become an emeritus member. You don't have a vote anymore. You can hold the offices that, you know, it's hard to get people for. So I'm the secretary. Treasurer. Treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then, so we stay in a Glengarry, but if you are, you know, bestowed with honors, then you actually change the hackle color. So as we go. Oh, yeah, yeah get, I remember seeing that. So it's a red hackle. And, okay. and uh, we actually have some honorary members that are white hackles and it's fantastic to see guys in a Glengarry and a white hackle to me. I, I won't ask you. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with the language there and I'm not in, in uh, I don't know if you can even say what's a Glengarry. I don't know if you can say sure. that. Glengarry is a traditional Scottish cap. And oh, when you go into the night The stand, round thing with the ball on top. Right, right. That's got a little round, uh, red pom-pom in the middle yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, when we first started doing it, uh, in Tucson, when we first started really getting some traction on the Knights of St. Andrew in Tucson, uh, I've always been part of the 32nd degree team. And uh, that was the first time that I had substituted my black prayer cap for my Glengarry. And we have a brother in Tucson that's been in charge of the 32nd degree ceremony for as long as I've been a Mason. And you know, he's got it down to a science. So if you throw something new at him, it takes him a little bit to, you know, acclimate to it. And that's what keeps a ceremony great. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. So he said, well, no, you're going to have to not wear your Glengarry. You have to wear your black prayer cap. And I thought, well, that's reasonable. He's just trying to keep things consistent. So I made the mistake of taking off my prayer cap or taking off my Glengarry and putting on my prayer cap, Mike Ashley and Bob Hannon pulled me aside and said, don't ever take that Glengarry off again when someone asks you because that is your prayer cap now. Really? And you should oh. never, never, unless you want to, have someone ask you to take that off again because that is your prayer cap. It really stuck with me, so that's why we put that. the put the verbiage in uh, that if you get your KCCH or 33rd degree honors, that you can put a hackle in. We still let them, if they want to, wear their prayer cap. Of course they can, but uh, I'm one that I'll, I, you know, I, I purchased the red cap when I was given the honors, but uh, I haven't worn it. You just wear the red hackle on yep. your... Yep. Stuck with me when Mike and and Bob uh, took me aside. What's, uh, what would you say, you know, a lot of times as Masons we say that, uh, we talk about Masonry being an organization of learning and we talk about we grow as men. How, if at all, how has Masonry changed you since you've joined? 
Uh, specifics, I'm not sure if I could give you specifics, but uh, I can certainly uh, relay messages that I've uh, heard my wife and my mother, my parents, my family, uh, they've all said, you know, he was, he was a good man before, but, you know, since he's gotten into this organization, he's so much a better man. Um, I think I've grown more on the uh, probably maturity standpoint. Uh, I think I've grown there. Uh, that's where I see it personally. Uh, but when I hear other people talking about it, that's when I say, hmm, I guess things have changed a little bit more than I thought. Uh, you know, it just made me more, personally, I felt like it made me more conscious of the world around me than I was before. Um, I'm probably summing up. What about, have, have you noticed uh, 11 years in, there's probably guys that you've mentored or you've taught, have you, have you noticed changes in, in other guys that seem really apparent? Well, certainly. Anything that comes you, to mind? You see it all the time. Uh, but the one that comes to mind the most is, is, the, is the relationship I had with Manny Daniels. Uh, he never attended meetings. He became a mason, and then he was also a linesman, so he didn't go to meetings. Never went to a Sabar Shriners meeting. Never. I said, well, how can, how can you be a Mason? How can you be a Shriner if you don't even know what's going on? And he's like, I don't know. It's just what we do. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, that's where I saw it the first time and probably the most vivid. Uh, you know, he started, he said, uh, sure, hey, let's go together, you know. So he started going to every single meeting with me. When I joined the Shrine, he went to every stated meeting with me, got back into the director's staff, got that's cool. active, had never even gone to the Scottish Rite even though he, he became a Scottish Rite member because he needed it to get into the shrine. Uh, but here's a Mason that's been a Mason for longer than I've you know, even had any vision of it. And it, it got him going again, you know, and, and, it, and he was so proud of being proficient as Marshall <laughs> when he was buried. Uh, it's a funny story because he, uh, he was Marshall and he loved being the Marshall while I was in the East. And, uh, you know, when, when he stepped out of the position, we had a new marshal go in. We always changed the uh, badge hangers, mm -hmm. you know, push it to the new person. And uh, I said, hey, Manny, I need to get that back. And he was like, oh, no, I, I can't find it. Can't find it. Can't find my badge. I said, okay, well, all right, you know, no problem. So I just bought another one. He was buried with it. Oh. Reminds me of a guy... I interviewed named Eddie at PV at Paradise Valley Silver Trail. He's a mm -hmm. Marine. He's been marshal there for I think 20 some years. A long time, a long time. It's one of the things I like to think about in these interviews. That somebody's going to be listening to them 50, 100 years from now. What would you say to somebody listening to this 100 years from now who maybe is curious about masonry or is you know looking back at mason masonry from the past? What would you want to say to them? Don't lose sight of the fact that not only does this fraternity predate you, it predates me, it predates the generation before me. This is a this is a fraternal organization that has principally not changed in more than three centuries. We're 300 years old. This year we we celebrated 300 years of modern masonry. And this is all 
pretty much the same organization for all of that time and all those men, that's what I would say to somebody in a hundred years. Any, any closing thoughts or anything else you want to relay or say to people? You know, I don't think so. Um, uh, you know, over the years I've become a hugger and, uh, and I, if you knew me before, that was definitely not a, not a vocabulary hugger. before. Uh, but the fraternal bond has brought that out of me. So, uh, I love being a Mason. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to shake your hand, but I feel like i got to stand up and hug you, right? <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to interview. I appreciate thank you, it, brother. Mm -hmm.